Hello and thank you for tuning in to the NAFOA podcast series titled Standing for Tomorrow. During this podcast series, Standing for Tomorrow, we will explore tribal resiliency, process, and planning in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and specifically, how tribes are addressing the financial, community, and personal impacts of the pandemic on their tribe. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the NAFOA podcast series titled Standing for Tomorrow. Rencon Chairman Bo Mazzetti has grown up and currently lives on the Rencon Reservation, which is located in Valley Center, California. Mazzetti has served as tribal chairman since 2007 and has served three consecutive terms. Erica M. Pinto currently serves as chairwoman of the Hamul Indian Village of California, one of the 13 tribes of the Kumeyaay Nation who trace their roots back 12,000 years in San Diego County, California. So let's jump right in. A little bit about my tribe. Uh, I'm the chairwoman of the Hamul Indian Village of California. Uh, We uh, gained federal recognition in 1981. We have a total of six acres of land in the trust, which house a tribal administration building, a community center, and also um, Hamul Casino, which is our uh, gaming enterprise. Uh, We have 72 enrolled tribal members. 40 of them are adults. 32 are minors. Chairman Mazzetti, can you share a little bit about your tribe as well? Mm -hmm. Thank you, and I thank you for that introduction that you made. Uh, We're located in North San Diego County, Uh, comprised roughly 5,000 acres. Our our tribe's been in existence, or recognized in existence by the federal government since uh, 1876. Of course, we were in the area way before that. Uh, We operate Harris uh, Resort Spa and Casino. Uh, We also have two corporations, Chapter 17 corporations, which operate. One is our financing, the various businesses we purchase. Uh, the other is for reservation development, which is called Redco, which operates our convenience store, our gas station. Uh, we also have a brewery, one of the very few breweries in the nation operated by a tribe. Uh, that's going real well. Those are some of the businesses. Uh, we have roughly about 540 members. Now I'd like you both to stop and reflect for a moment about what it was like the moment you realized that the pandemic was going to impact your community, government, operations, and your businesses. I really want to give our listeners some insight into the thoughts that ran through your minds as tribal leaders. Chairman Mazzetti, can you share with us what it was like when you first had the realization about what the impacts of the pandemic would mean to your tribe and your businesses? Well, I can't say the word I want to say, but... (laughs) (laughs) But no, the first thing we thought of is, oh, what about our people? You know, when the all our income is stopping, what folks have to understand, uh, we don't have a tax base like most tribes. We don't have a tax base, so our income that operates all of our programs, our government, uh, stems from the income from the gaming operation. Uh, so the first thing, okay, what do we have in our account? Let's lock things down in terms of staff. Where are we at? What are essential staff? what our staff needs. In other words, how many folks do we need to keep on? Because our goal from day one was, number one, take care of our membership, 
Number two, make sure all of our employees, not just the work for the tribe, but also our gaming operation, are taken care of. Okay. So how do we do that? Well, some long days real fast in terms of our finances. Where are we? What can we do? What can we shift? Uh, our council was really good about coming together and, and going through this. We were the first tribe, I believe, that uh, declared a, a declaration of disaster uh, uh, under the Stafford Act. Uh, we had done that about two weeks before the governor actually did anything. I had a feeling because I've been through things like this, not this bad, but the first thing the tribe has to do was declare that disaster declaration. So we had ours in place when things started to come down. But we started immediately uh, finances. Where are our finances? Uh, we're very fortunate. We're with Wells Fargo. We have a covenant that if something happens, we can adjust, postpone our loan, which they were outstanding with, uh, which we did. That, that was a big, that gave us some savings right there. Uh, we kept all employees uh, through the whole period, I think with three months. We played all their benefits and their salaries for all staff. We did have a reduction, of course, for our tribal government staff because uh, we had to take a, a hard look at what do we really need. So uh, we, in fact, uh, did not cut back any per capita payments to our membership. Uh, utilizing the general welfare provisions, we actually, you could say, increased it to our membership by not withholding uh, federal taxes course state taxes too in some provisions some cases so uh, again that was one to keep our membership without going into a panic mode uh, number two the federal government was doing that so we also said if the federal government's going to put stimulation out there stimulant uh, we as a tribe a government are going to do that too and that's what we did we were fortunate in that we didn't have to borrow any money at all we didn't have to use our long-term uh, uh, credit line because uh, we had money set aside, uh, and it turned out, came out perfect for us. Our long-term investments, we didn't have to, to uh, touch those at all. Uh, so we were fortunate. Um, but again, I think every tribe went with the fact that we, finances, what about money? And you first have to think of your people, then you have to think of your employees, and then how long is this going to last? We actually had put things into place for the council and I that we could have gotten by with with no income through August. Mm -hmm. We were planning for the worst. You wow. know? So we were very fortunate. Uh, but again, it's uh, finances. How do you pay for these things? Mm -hmm. What can you work? You know, What can you hold up on? Uh, we had several contracts we put holes on that we uh, are still on hold, actually, until things turn around a little bit better. Wow, congratulations, taking care of people first. Uh, Chairwoman Pinto, what was your first moments like when you found out about the pandemic? I know it was the beginning of March when the talk of the pandemic started to come out. And to be honest, the uncertainty uh, really alarmed me. I didn't know what to expect, but like Chairman Mazzetti, the first thought, what is gonna happen to our people? How can we make sure our people are protected? Um, like Chairman Mazzetti too, we did uh, declare a state of emergency. All the information we were getting was, um, I think it was a lot of misinformation that was coming out. We didn't know what to believe. And um, like I said, the first thought is, what if we have to close? What if all these unknowns crossed our mind? And I, I really, even though I felt fear in those uncertain moments, I had to uh, 
rise above it and focus, keep the focus on the people, my tribal members first, um, my employees. I have about a thousand permanent employees in the casino. And I want to make sure that everybody was safe. I want everybody to maintain their health. And uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. And I know the questions later will ask about um, what we did, but we did have to shift some money. We did, we don't have, you know, we just opened four years ago. We're, our, our property's fairly new, so our savings were pretty minimum or minimal. And um, we just had to take those appropriate actions, meet as a council, declare that state of emergency, and then go from there. Did the tribes in San Diego collectively meet and discuss closure? Or was that decided individually? In March, when all the information started coming out, the southern, you know, the southeastern tribes decided to meet with each other. And I remember, again, feeling uncertain and reading the room, and you can just see that it was pretty quiet, you know, and um, we met, we discussed, you know, our feelings. It was a roundtable discussion. Well, the table was square, but it was, <laughs> it was a roundtable discussion on that, you know, what what are we going to do? Because I think at, at that point, we were all starting to declare these, these state of emergencies. And so we collectively agreed that we would close our doors. We would close our doors, I think, two days later after we met. So we closed our doors on March 20th. And again, back to the uncertainty, we weren't sure how long we would stay closed. So that's, you know, how am I going to be able to generate revenue to pay my members? The North County tribes were kind of watching everything themselves. When I say North County, that's kind of the North County versus South County kind of divided in half. They were meeting, we weren't up there yet. I think all the tribes up here were trying to evaluate what's going on, what's going to happen. Um, we were, after after the sheriff had sent a letter out about enforcement, uh, we had a little debate over that. Uh, again, it's a sovereignty issue. Uh, the sheriff, uh, it was a pretty good guy down there, Sheriff Gore. Uh, he wasn't sure what was going on either, to be honest with you. But I did notify the other tribes what he's trying to do. I don't think he can do, which was basically serve, utilize the health code, which is a civil regulatory code, which he could not enforce on us. However, if we're, what what would happen is he would close down the roads. <laughs> That's how he could possibly get us. So uh, we were the first tribe, I believe, in the county. Well, I, I believe we were the first tribe to go ahead and close our doors. Again, it was a perception. People were going into the panic mode. And it just would not look good if the tribe stayed open. Plus, none of us really knew much about the COVID-19. So, so to be safe, uh, we, we closed down. And I think the other tribes, we all pretty much agreed. We started talking more. And said, There's eight gaming tribes in San Diego County. So we started talking more to each other. Uh, what are we going to do? So we, we all started, I guess, the good thing about it is communicating and being open with each other. So when we actually started to organize and get together and share, we started sharing our opening. Okay, if we're going to open, here are the things that have to be in place. Uh, we all started sharing those. We shared ours. We were fortunate in that uh, we own our gaming facility, but we have a management contract with Caesars, Harris or Caesars International now. And, of course, they had some of the most renowned doctors and everything you could think of on their staff for Caesars since they're worldwide. So as we put together our reopening plans, the safety precautions, the PPE requirements, those things, we tried to share them with the rest of the tribes. And I think the tribes are really good about sharing with each other. That also expanded then into the surrounding counties. Riverside County worked real close with some of the tribes up there also. 
So how did your membership uh, react to the closure of the property? There was a the North County tribes and then the South County tribes were meeting separately. And then eventually we all came together and then mm-hmm. we started holding weekly calls and being very open about what we were doing and protecting our members. And, and then to his point, we did all talk about a reopening plan, robust reopening plan. We heard the county and what they were saying, the state and what they were saying, and the CDC guidelines. And we took all this information, compiled it into this, this document that would keep everybody safe. And it was shared statewide with other tribes because, mm-hmm. you know, it, you can't have one tribe out there alone, not with these with these guidelines and this guidance to open properly, open safely. So if one tribe failed, we would it would be a reflection of all of us. So it was only appropriate to share and help each other out, which I've never seen anything like this in all the years that I've been on tribal council, with the exception of Prop 1A and Prop 5, when all the tribes banded together. And I thought that was just such a, a beautiful thing. So when they were coming back to work, they just couldn't wait to uh, get out of their homes and, and do what they love doing, which is sure. work at Elmo Casino, the best casino in Southern California. So, uh, yeah, that's what they did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they were. Yeah. What about you, Chairman? Well, we had similar uh, results, obviously, that our folks were more than happy to come back to work. Uh, we had also maintained all of their health and their salary through the shutdown period. It was pretty expensive, but they were like part of the family. So <clears throat> they were more than happy to come back because we had taken care of all of our employees also during this period. Uh, I, I think that as far as a coordinated effort, I was glad to see that with all of the tribes, our local tribes, in reference to reopening. And I think what people have to realize, all of the casinos, gaming facilities in California, not only did you meet your county's requirements, you met the state requirements, and you also met federal requirements. So we had a lot more things to look at as far as tribes than your average business uh, someplace else. We had all of these folks that we were taking information from, uh, their requirements, putting them together. And, and I think that's why the gaming facilities in general had some of the most safest standards. Uh, and we exceeded what the county or state did. Mm-hmm. Most of the gaming facilities exceeded what the county or state required. But overall, our folks were glad to come back. You know, I'm sure. We took care of them, so th- you, you can't put a value on that. Right. Somebody knows you care, and you took care of them. Mm-hmm. You know. For sure. As a sovereign, we appointed our own medical officer. Uh, mm. With that, we also then did a mem- MOU with the county of San Diego, how we would report to you and what we would report to you. We took control of it. We're a sovereign. So we, we entered into an agreement with the county of San Diego how things are going to be reported. You're not just going to send people out there running around. You know, right. We're going to do it. We have our own health officer, which the tribe has the authority to appoint, which we did. That health officer then provides the information to the county of San Diego. As all of us live here in Southern California area, uh, there is reportedly a, a spike and the the state is going into the purple area or at least down here in southern california and what do you think this is going to mean to the future of uh your casinos the immediate future should the governor come in with some sort of um dictating uh, the what the, what the tribes are now the casinos are going to do what rules you're going to have to follow 
What are your thoughts on, or do you think that's a possibility coming down the line? Well, we just uh, took a break to get on a call with uh, tribal advisor, Christina Snyder. And it does sound like, you know, since we're in a purple tier and there has been clearly a spike in cases, we just had Thanksgiving and you saw millions of people traveling. Um, the hospitals are inundated with patients and it's not a good thing. So um, we understand that there may be an order coming down for businesses to be put on pause, if you will, basically to close down businesses. Right. So uh, we've, this is, you know, we've been through this before. Should that happen, uh, we will work collaboratively with the tribes again and um, come up with a game plan or a solution. We're resilient people, so we can get through this. We've been through it before. We're going through it now. Um, I don't feel that same uncertainty or that same fear because I know we can do it. We've done it once. Don't want to do it, but out of the safety of our people and our tribal, our 72 tribal members, you know, we're going to have to take a hard look at this and make some difficult decisions, probably with the local first and then the state of California second. How do you see it, Chairman? I agree with what Chairperson said, but I think the governor needs to sit down and talk to us. We'll negotiate something. Don't try to demand things of us. Let's sit down and we'll work out an agreement where we all uh, feel comfortable with it. But this mandating of a shutdown, uh, I hope they don't go there because I don't think the tribes are going to take it. But we want to help and work with our governor also. So it's a matter of sitting down and working out something that's mutually uh, accessible, acceptable to each, to each tribe and the state. Sure. But we are sovereigns, and we need to remember that. Well, and I understand uh, that it's quite expensive to shut down a casino and then again to reopen it, which you've already had to do. So it looks like this is going to be, if this comes, uh, if this pause goes into effect, uh, again, you're going to be facing those that expense of shutting down the casino. Um, can I ask if either of you accepted or utilized the CARES or the PPP funding the first time? That's what's missing in government and in areas where if you've not been in business, if you don't know the results, it's easy to make decisions because you don't know the impacts. Sure. And that's what's happening. It's very expensive to reopen, not only bringing your people back, but you also have to restore all the food mm-hmm. and the perishables mm-hmm. and things. That's very expensive, you know. And people have to think you don't just open and shut, you know, every other week. You know, and people in government in general are not business people that have their hands on it and know what it costs to reopen. You know, and those are the folks making decisions. So you, you need to think about it. It's really expensive. It doesn't matter what size you are as far as a gaming mm-hmm. facility. You have those perishables and things that you have to deal with. What are you going to do with your employees? How long are they going to be off? Mm-hmm. Are they eligible for, for uh, unemployment? All those issues. And in California, the unemployment system is jammed already. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all of those things are factors that when you close something down, you better think of all of the ramifications. And, and that's what I, I think is missing. I think it's too easy to say, okay, yeah, let's shut down. Right. You know, when you look at the hospitalization, I think you really need to look at it. You know, what are really, how many are really COVID cases? You know, we all know that you get more money for a COVID designated patient. So what's the impact? You know, someday that'll come out, I think. Let's hope so, sooner than later. Yeah, yeah. Sooner than later. It is quite costly to open and close and open and close. So, um, 
he spoke to the produce. Mm-hmm. You know, when we closed down, what we did with our produce and our perishables is we dispersed it to our employees. You know, we're probably having to look at doing something like that again. But um, we consider our businesses, our casinos, essential businesses for us. That's how we get our funding for our government operations, our elder programs, our children programs, uh, whatever programs of government that we put in place is where we get our funding from as our casino. So those are essential to us. And I don't think sometimes some of the people do realize how mm-hmm. essential they are to us. It's not just a place where, yes, it is a great entertainment place, but also the things that it produces for us and the tribes, you know, got us out of poverty. Any business, not even gaming, any business you have, if I don't feel safe and I don't see that this place is safe, I'm not going to go into it. doesn't matter what it is, a restaurant, gaming facility, doesn't matter. So, yeah, we all strive to have that confidence that I'm going into a place that's following protocols, it's safe, safe environment. So we all have to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's just basic business. It has nothing to do with us being a tribe. Right. It has, yeah. we're running a business and we've got to compete with other businesses. And you have to feel safe. I think that we all strive for that. Well, can I go back to my other question then again before? No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, what was the question? Is it, is, is it a secret? I, I was wondering if you um, were, if you had ex- accepted or utilized the CARES or PPP funding. And if so, how did you utilize the funds? Yes, we did. We utilized both of them. And there are parameters for both sets of funding that we followed. There's guidance guidelines do's don'ts and we made sure to follow every one of those guidelines Uh, we were able to pay our employees Mm -hmm. you know for a few months during Mm -hmm. the closure with the ppp program and uh, the covid 19 funds we uh, were able to buy some much needed ipads and software for our tribal people because everything's done via zoom nowadays everything when i make a doctor's appointment and i get my covid test it's all via Zoom, and, and the kids are learning through Zoom. I'm meeting on a daily basis, you know, in, in a video form. So we were able to do some of those things, um, sanitize our facilities, our community center, our tribal offices, our, um, our, our every building we had, we were able to clean and make sure there was no virus anywhere. Protection equipment, we were able to do that. Uh, we did pretty well, I think, with our funds. Good. Yeah. Sounds like it. Thank well, you. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, mm. thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Chairman, what did you do? <laughs> no, I wanted to thank NAFOA for setting out all the information that they've provided. I think that's one of thank the, you. the issues we had as a, at the tribal level. There was so much information. You know, what is correct, what isn't, the, the, the regulations were changing or the rules whatever you want to call them uh, were changing so it, it was it took a while to understand okay there's money coming but uh, what can you do with it right you know in our case what we did is we assigned ours to all of our, our first responders <clears throat> excuse me and then a lot of our tribal staff we also bought all of the protective uh, clothing we brought the uh, sanitation the 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 temperature checks all of those stuff that we didn't have it was all first let's get those things in place our our air conditioning system in here for example we put in new upgraded proper uh, uh um uh what do you call them um filters the pads the filters there you go <laughs> the big word i forgot to <laughs> no new filters that would really clean the air uh, things mm-hmm. like that um 
so no, it, it came in extremely handy. Uh, since we were short on funds, you know, it helped pick up some of our tribal staff, essential tribal staff that uh, we still to this day document, everybody that's essential, what they're doing for the COVID funds in terms of eligibility, so we stay on top of that. Uh, it took a lot of uh, finance meetings to understand all this, and then this set this money into special accounts so you can account for it. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of work at the reservation level, not just here's the money, you know. Right. It, it created a lot of work, and, and again, NAFOA and others mm -hmm. helped provide that, that direction. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank yeah. you very much. I do want to give a shout out to to Nafoa because, you know, I, you. I even received an email on the way in here today. But it's you know, no communication is too much communication in my opinion, and I think that it's relevant. It's important, you know, that we are in the know, and Nafoa has done excellent. I, you know, I didn't attend all those ADM calls like Carrie Patterson did, <laughs> but um, they're relevant. They're they're needed. We need to be in the same on the same page and getting all that information. So I really do appreciate you for doing that. You know, you're welcome. We have a good mm -hmm. team yeah. in place. So I'm happy that we we're able to help you in this time of need. Um, you, you brought up about the youth, and this is a scary situation that we're in. And so what has been the impact uh, on your youth and your communities going through and living through this nightmare that we're going through? It has been a, a, a real challenge. You know, as American Indian people, we're so used to being with one another and eating together and, you know, making fun of each other and just being, and we're all related at my tribe. And so um, it's really been hard on them to not be able to, to be in the same room. And, and for me as well, when I'm, I'm one of those leaders that when I do business or conduct a meeting with people, I have to look you in the eye so I can mm -hmm. see, you know, any, sure. any emotion or, or whatever I can see. And, and I like to shake hands. I don't like to do this elbow. This elbow. <laughs> it hurts, number one, but I, it's just so impersonal. Um, with my youth, uh, I, I have a program called Acorns to Oaks, mm -hmm. and it's it focuses on technology. It focuses on health and fitness and culture because it's so important that we instill a sense of pride in our Native youth um, because all too often, you know, we turn to substances to um, to assist us but we've had a few programs on the monthly it's not like it was before but it's all been zoom and mm -hmm. uh, we did one fall festival and it was social it was responsible it was socially distancing there was masks but there was also halloween masks but there was um i thought it was pretty safe and pretty well done because and like i said uh, the safety of my members is is my priority and uh, i i want i don't want to lose that connection that we all have and the youth that you know they're all my relatives right they're my nieces and nephews and so i just want to make sure we're all safe and same with the elders and we do conduct those meetings and sometimes it's hard to adapt to being on a, a zoom and looking at somebody and but um they're doing it we're resilient people so they're adapting good yeah thank you for asking sure chairman yeah that was that was a big concern right off the bat the kids what are we going to do with right with them um first of all we converted our education program over to be a remote program video training mm -hmm. so we went through that we also then worked with the school district to make sure we tied into their system so we the kids would get their their assignments you know work then we also have a little issue of not having wi-fi all over the place mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not oh, yes. clear, you know so uh, -huh. uh so that that's the biggest issue not having a, a good signal 
but the kids need to be outside. They need to be playing. They need to be with each other. You mm -hmm. know, this thing of, I think all the statistics, statistics tell you that uh, the youth are, are not at, at, at vulnerable. You know, so we had to work with that. And, uh, the kids have to be outside. I think psychologically, not just the youth, but the adults too, it, it's having its toll. You know, and, and we uh, we have our security. They go around and do welfare checks on, on a lot of our seniors and middle-aged folks that are stuck at home. Uh, but it, it's an issue. It's a real problem. The psychological aspect is not really being addressed. You know, stay away. Mm. Well, maybe that that's the wrong thing to do. You right. know, maybe, you know, so... Mm -hmm. But as far as the kids, yeah, we know we have to address them more and more. We've got to right. keep them active. Uh, we're probably going to open up our ball fields again pretty quick here. They've got to get outside. Right, I agree. You know, uh, and like I say, we know that the the more the elderly and those with you know underlying health conditions are more at risk. So let's watch out for those. It's just common sense. But get the kids or youth back in some normal activity. You know, I know that with my kids, grandkids. Uh, they're tired of being inside. Mm -hmm. You can see when they're outside, they're totally different. They come alive, you know. And, and if this goes on much longer, there's going to be, I think, long-term psychological effects. I agree. And definitely mm -hmm. social effects. Mm -hmm. In other words, how do you socialize? Uh, so this this has to be addressed. I think each tribe better look at their youth of what this is doing to them. Right. You know? They're our future. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because we're looking at the bigger picture, but that's the big picture. The kids. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. we need a lot, lot more uh, to address them, a lot more than we have yet, I think, in general. I agree completely. Being a tribal leader is a humbling and unique opportunity to serve your people. The role also brings with it a personal toll that is often not publicly shared. Can you share with our audience a personal story about how COVID has impacted you or your family? on a personal level, Chairman? Well, I guess to be a chairman, you can only understand it if you've been a chairman or you're an arch or chairperson, let's put it that way. Uh, it's really 24-7, mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. everything you can think of from my dog died, so somebody's dog's over here, to the fence, somebody broke my fence, <laughs> to... <laughs> Do. Hey, we got problems in Sacramento, Washington with mm -hmm. bills. So it's such a gamut. And, and I think if you're really into your chairmanship and you're really into your people, it's definitely a 24-7 thing. You don't shut off just because it's 8 o'clock or 5 o'clock at night. That doesn't happen. And, and you take it on, though. I mean, if, if, you're, going, if you're going to do it, you, you need to know what you're doing in terms of you're not done. You're never done. Uh, personally, yeah, I've, I should be home a lot more. I'm not home that much. So, yeah, it takes a toll on relationships. That's just the way it is. I mean, what mm -hmm. can you do? That's true. That's true. But it kind of, it kind of, uh, I've been around for a long time, but it kind of gets in your blood, you know, so you just do it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, good answer. It's a good answer. I don't know. I, I agree. It, it's, a, it's a job that... Uh, you know, it, it's a wide range of things, wide range of issues. Even though I only have 40 adult uh, tribal members, you know, they go through issues every day that sometimes I'm there to help and sometimes I'm, I'm out of town not to help, but I can be there by phone, but it's it's 24 seven. Mm -hmm. And I often get uh, lectured by some of the women in my life, uh, my mother, 
about taking care of myself and taking on too many responsibilities, but but I do have this uh, this focus on my people that it, it's it's never going to end. Even if I'm not the tribal leader, it's never going to end. Um, it has taken its toll on me too. I try to get outside. It's hard to get outside. I'm a new uh, resident of downtown San Diego, oh. so it's all you know cement mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. loud noises, and it's not coyotes and frogs at night anymore as it was in Alpine. <laughs> but um, it's 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 a humbling like as you mentioned it's a humbling unique opportunity that I have taken very serious and I've done it since I was 21 years old I'm now in my mid 40s um, but I, I it's it's an opportunity that I wouldn't change I, I love what I do I love you know the things the the decisions that we make I, I feel I feel like I'm a very decisive person so it's not that difficult for me to come to you know certain decisions whether it's you know, my dog died, and can we bury them at the cemetery? <laughs> or, you know, we need to renegotiate this compact or something. But um, it's, a, it's a great experience. But you know what? I just need to start taking better care of myself. Mm-hmm. And that's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> Not New Year's yet. So. Pretty soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it probably changed by then. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Well, spoken like two tribal leaders, warriors, modern-day warriors, of today, let me ask uh, one more thing. What guidance would you have for future leaders of tomorrow who may be faced with these types of challenges? Hope, hopefully, that in our lifetimes there won't be another pandemic. But what advice would you give to a new young leader coming into office? I think a new young leader. First of all, you got to want to do it. Mm-hmm. Not just because you're elected by your people, but you got to want to do it. That's number one. Number two, you need to reach out, stay in touch with the surrounding tribes. You need to work together. Don't think you're by yourself. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you get elected and, hey, I'm king of the hill because right. I've elected by my people. Well, mm-hmm. you got to work with everyone else. You know, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. I don't care who you are. You know, <laughs> so you got to keep that and not, and definitely reach out to the other tribes, work together, develop those coalitions. Right. That, that's one of the main things, I think. I like to try to hop in my pants once, just to make it simple. Um, How'd that work for you? It doesn't work. <laughs> you know, I, I think that uh, we we have to remind ourselves as tribal leaders that, you know, where we come from, our ancestors and what blood runs through our veins. And it's my opinion that our ancestors are the most resilient people on the planet when you think about our history and you think about the history of California and just how much we've survived. You think of the mission system, you think of, you know, the Mm -hmm. genocide that just has has occurred over the last, you know, 500 years with us and remind ourselves that we have this blood and we're descendants of these people and we can get through anything. And and when you talk about COVID and, and the closures and the illnesses and all these issues that we face, we can get through them. There's always that light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I've, feel like I'm an optimistic person but I know I'm I'm also realistic and if we just constantly remind ourselves where we come from then you know we it's all downhill from there that's true I I look at the COVID for example that's what I told our people too and I still believe it it's what you call a temporary setback Mm -hmm. temporary Mm -hmm. not permanent yep so speaking of COVID again how has it impacted, or the pandemic impacted, the way in which you are financially planning for the future of your tribe? 
well you know we've been open for four years and it's really made us aware that we have to be prepared financially so um, a rainy day fund if you will Mm -hmm. we we have to really think about that because it's not a matter of you know if but when there's another uh, crisis that we're going to face here on you know in California the tribal people Uh, so it's just more preparation um, creating that fund for your people for your employees but for your people first so that was that the question yes okay (laughs) thank you that's a good answer well (laughs) it hasn't impacted us what do I mean by that yes our planning our long-term investments our portfolios that we have were not touched it was a good plan so none of that's impacted we're going to keep all of those programs and investments in place so it hasn't impacted as far as a short-term impact you know maybe we could keep a little more cash on hand shall we say (laughs) (laughs) but overall it it has not affected and should not affect our what we have in place already as far as our finances and our businesses so that would be a recommendation to have some cash on hand a little little, more wouldn't hurt yeah yeah. a little more breathing room we'll get by we can get by no problem but a little more breathing room would be be good Okay. Well, then I guess I was going to ask for recommendations or comments to other tribes or tribal partners, be it industry or government. Uh, Aside from having that little Mm. nest egg on hand, have you got any any words of wisdom? I have a little bit of wisdom, but I I learned it from my tribal leaders that came before me and this gentleman right here. You're only a sovereign as you act. <laughs> but um, it, he, he makes the point that I, I really like to pick up the phone, call your local tribal leader. If you have an issue, talk it out. If you have something you want to bring, like a concern, we're going to probably collaborate tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, work with your people. You know, we're all in this together. We're all human. We all put our pants on a certain way. Uh, work with one another is my is my. Uh, advice or suggestion perfect i think he hit it on the point you got to be able to talk to each other communications amongst tribes is one of the key things we're not competing with each other we're competing with and for each other right not against each other i think that's one of the key key things to think about yep and we can all help each other and that's what we should be doing united we stand right exactly excellent Well, I would like to thank both of you for your leadership and your candid words today. This has been a tough time for so many of us across Indian Country, and your words and perspective are invaluable as together we are, standing for tomorrow. I'm Vareen Martin with NAFOA. Thank you, our great audience, for tuning in to our podcast. Mado Jigejes. NAFOA is a national Native American 501c3 not-for-profit that is committed to supporting tribal economies through sound economic and fiscal policy, innovative learning opportunities, convening thought leadership, and developing resources for tribes that strengthen governance and exercise sovereignty.